and welcome to Mentality Meets, part of the Mindshift Forum 2022. Conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. I'm Peter Larkin, mental health instructor and expert and your host for today. This year, our theme is hope. What is it? What does it look like? And where do we go to find it? So today we're going to be talking with Henry Johnston. He was sectioned twice in his adult life and has lived experience with bipolar, OCD, ADHD, dyspraxia, dyslexia, suicidal ideation, anxiety disorder, borderline personality disorder. You know, the list goes on. Henry became an alcoholic and a drug addict and he experienced homelessness and a long relationship with self-harm. And yet he is unshakable in his belief in the power of self. So today's session is all about hope and healing. Can we heal from mental health illnesses in the same context as my body physically healing? And what would our world look like if we could align ourselves and experience peace and love? Now, if you'd like to join the Mindshift Forum 2022, please sign up and take the hope assessment. It's www.peterlarkham.com and then find the Mindshift Forum tab. For those watching on YouTube, please like the video, leave a comment, hit subscribe button and get the latest content to help you with your mental health journey. Anyway, you know what? Let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Henry Johnston. So I'm Henry Johnston. I'm a rapid change therapist, which people are like, wait, what? What's that? And I, I'm a, basically, I'm a, I'm a hypnotherapist combined with a, you know, a traditional therapist. Talking therapy, communicating with the subconscious, allowing you to really like get to the causal reasons for all sorts of interesting behaviours and patterns. And some mental health illnesses do fall under the bracket of what I treat. So everything I speak about today will, is coming from my own personal experience of running hundreds of hours of sessions around people who have experienced and have lived experience of certain mental health illnesses. Um, as for hope, you know, hope is the belief that things can change and like it's a feeling, right? It's, uh, it's, it's this thing like, in hindsight, we can look back at our life and see that hope was there. But in the moment, it's very hard to see to see what it is because it's not a, a visual thing. It's a feeling. When I was uh, I'll quickly go into this, when I was uh, I'm, I'm in drug and alcohol recovery. I 13 years in, so I'm I'm good on that. And I was really deep in the loneliness and the sadness and the depression and all the horrible experiences that come with that. Living at my parents' house, and I walked over Hammersmith Bridge, and I felt fat. I felt overwhelmed, overweight. I felt dirty and horrible. She, guilt and shame and I just saw this just saw the light of the sun like on the surface of the Thames and it struck me how beautiful it was and in that moment I thought what if I could experience that beauty most days without everything I'm feeling and it was like a real pureness and in that moment that was when the seed was planted I think kind of the the, the amazing thing is that it in my mind, it can be something so simple, and I say simple in the wrong context because it's not simple. But that that moment of the sun glistening and the recognition of of beauty, and that there's something else in there. And so, Henry, can you also just kind of take a moment and uh, explore with us this idea of um, healing in the context of mental health and what you've seen in kind of some of your clients or in yourself in the context of, of mental health, because to, to try and explain it in my 
mindset. When I think of healing, I think of that's it, it's done. You don't go back to that place because you're healed, you're better. And yet in the conversation around mental health, certainly from from my perspective through the, the training I deliver, the maintenance of health is only there because of the protections that we're putting in place to stop ourselves from becoming mentally unwell again. And it's almost like it's a slippery slope that's always going to be taking us back to that place. And we have to keep on trying to escape it. And actually what I'm wanting to explore is actually, can we have this kind of, no, actually, we're healed. That was the past. This is the present. That's my future. And it doesn't have to be determined by this anymore. And it's and a, what, what are your thoughts? It's a dense, contradictory subject. So if we look at physical healing, you know, say we have a broken bone, we can consider that the bone will fuse together, we will be healed, we will be able to walk again. But that's not to say that we might trip over and hurt our leg and something might happen. So we just need a little bit of an update, right? This can and does happen with mental health illnesses. We can get to a point where we, where I believe we want to get to is into a state of harmony. Like we have life feelings, we have anxiety, we get depressed, okay? It is when those those feelings become unmanageable and they cross over and they start to impact our lives. That's how I see, you know, a, a debilitating or, you know, a, yeah, like a difficult mental health episode. And I think that stuff like anxiety and depression, we can reach a stage where the bone fuses back together and it starts starts working. We can take depression and anxiety and they stop impacting our lives actively and they become a far more manageable life experience. I think that's an entirely fair, um, entirely fair way to, to, to frame it, right? Because nothing... We are complex beings. Our bodies are very, very complex and sometimes don't work, right? And it's entirely natural to think you're going to go back to the doctor and get a pill or get a massage, okay? And I think emotions work in exactly the same way. So maybe the finality around healing isn't appropriate. But as I said before, the way of looking at it is like we just take these feelings and we put them back into a far more manageable, far more harmonious state is really appropriate. Now, what I see within the mental health conversation is that there is this huge, there's still stigma, right? And I see actually the stigma comes from employ, employers more so because there's a, a, a tick box approach where actually they want people to be healed. So they funnel them into it. Well, you do this and you do this and then you'll be healed and then you'll be able to carry on work absolutely fine. And there is stigma around certain groups of people, you know, in, in a social way which impacts the conversation. But the unhealthy part of that is that people feel that they need to justify their mental illness. And the more they justify, the more it becomes part of their identity. And the more they encourage those life feelings to impact them actively. And it becomes like, I am anxiety, I am depression. So that's the, the really unhealthy part. And what I always suggest to people is what would it be like for you to simply not have these symptoms? And I'm, I'm going to talk purely about anxiety and depression, stuff like schizophrenia, bipolar. I, I believe that these, like I have no experience with schizophrenia. I certainly have ADHD, OCD, um, bipolar, 
myself. Now, those are manageable. Like, you know, I require, I've trained myself around my ADHD so that it stays in the life place. Train myself over the OCD. It's in the life space. The bipolar is managed by medication. Will my, my, and bipolar is as much of a chemical physiological thing as it is an emotional thing. You know, is there a possibility that I come off my meds and my brain comes into homeostasis and starts working in balance? Absolutely. Do I want to take that risk? Absolutely not. (laughs) Because I like my life to be fairly, fairly steady. But I think we can get to a point where depression, even debilitating depression, stops being part of our identity and becomes something which is just an echo. This is what I see in all my clients is when we've healed the depression. So it gets to a point where it's just in life and we get depressed and we man- and we're, when we're okay, it becomes manageable. That's what I would you know, term as you are healed from the debilitating aspects of something which used to dominate your life. And it's the exact same with anxiety. I think this is so insightful because I've often explored this idea of when people have become their mental health illnesses it's it's a part of who they are it's almost overtaken their identity and I now don't know whether I'm dealing with you as a person or whether I'm dealing with just the illness that kind of consumed you and I also love that that idea that you said about being able to to manage it but also with the bipolar that, that you experience kind of it's it's managed through the medication and the way I kind of often think of it is let, let's go for um diabetes for example the body needs the extra help to to manage chemical processes and chemical levels and we have no problem with that in the context of ongoing management and ongoing support and I think that's a really interesting concept for you and the idea that would you like to come off your your meds and give it a no actually because there's something really unhealthy (laughs) and quite dangerous almost about about doing that and it's such a fine balance I find when talking with people about medication in the context of medication being being good and sometimes bad for people because actually it becomes their only source of recovery and I think that's unhealthy I don't think medication is the only thing that people should be doing I think there's a whole heap of other stuff that people need to be doing in the context of like you say managing these parts of of who you are so as you can live more healthily in the context of that and it's up to the individual to decide within themselves within their own feelings how far have i come from how how i used to be am i comfortable with where my symptoms are do i feel healed you know that can be really empowering we can fall into a trap of our mental health illnesses becoming the be-all and end-all you know, and it's great that people campaign. It's great that people talk about their lived experience. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because people need to hear that message. But it's entirely up to the individual to think, is it as bad as it was? No. How do I feel about that? And it can be quite empowering. Mental ill health costs UK employers around £1,700 per team member each year. That's a staggering £45 billion every year. Despite a general awareness that mental health is more of a problem than ever, most people have no idea what to do. This is where we can help. 
Mentality is a one-hour video course equipping your staff to spot the signs of poor mental health and take action. Invest in your people, from the cleaner to the CEO, because every person, whoever they are, can be affected. There's another context that is kind of going through my mind just a little bit in the context of physical health and wanting to know, is it healthy to be thinking of mental health in the same context as physical health in that I cut myself and my body naturally heals itself. I don't really have to think about or do anything in order for it to do that. I might need to put a plaster on it for a day or so, but actually, you know what? It's going to do its thing and it's going to heal. Now, in the context of that, there are times in my life where, let's go for t- today's kind of situation of finance and the, the, the fuel prices that are going on. Welcome to 2022 in the context of the world. And then energy bills and mortgage repayments and all of this. And my brain goes into a, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But it's it's almost like a, a scratch or a, or a kind of cut or something where my brain will come to terms with it in its own way shape and form and it won't consume me it won't cripple me to a point of anxiety where I don't know how to 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 function in the context of this information does that kind of help and make sense but there are other times when the overwhelming nature of of the world does have a an impact in the context of anxiety which does cripple people which is then where I would need to, in the context of that cut needing stitches even, or a broken arm, I would need to go to the doctor because it's not going to heal on its own. It's actually going to get worse if I don't go and seek the professional help and get the right support. And and in in my world around training, I talk about a, a diagnosis actually being really quite important around mental health. And people who have listened to the podcast a, a number of times will will hear me echoing this constantly, is that actually without a diagnosis, it's your opinion. But sometimes with health conditions, we it's not just my opinion. I'm not going to get better with my own opinion. I need to go to the doctors to get the medication, get the treatment, get the resources, so as I can then recover or get to this place of, of healing. And I just want to, want to ask, is that, what are your thoughts? Does that make sense to you? And, and what am I missing? It makes perfect sense. Now, I just want to go back to the first thing that you said. When I made the comparison between the physical and the emotional, that was just to make the understanding way more accessible so so we can understand. You know, it, they, they are fundamentally different, whereas bones are tangible, emotions are not. There's a lot of confusion when things aren't going right. It's like we can't see the wood for the trees because everything seems to be in our heads, right? We can't see. And we actually... It's really good to get that clarity so someone can say, listen, you're experiencing this because of this. It gives us like, okay, I have, this is part of my experience. This is what I can do about it. And then you can manage it. Okay. So it's, it's when that, that balance tips and it's like, and it's, and it's, I'm not saying that anyone who becomes their mental health diagnosis is a bad person or that it's wrong. It's just slightly unhealthy slightly unhealthy in terms of the the harmonious aspects you can get to in regards to your identity now i'm going to dive into the work that i do 
in regards to anxiety and depression. Now, I work with the subconscious. That is the hypnotherapy part. You know, everything is held within the subconscious. People get freaked out about the subconscious. Like, don't worry. Subconscious wants to help you, wants you to survive. But somewhere, your subconscious learned of a risk, and it is protecting you from that risk by creating behaviors, you know, whether it's suppressing you. Now, interestingly about depression, people think that depression shuts you down, but in depression... Like your brain is firing on all cylinders. And here's the thing, like your, your head, as people understand it, is the logical part. Your heart, which I, which I always term as the subconscious, you know, is the emotional part. When, when a logical part tries to solve an emotional problem, you just go, it's like asking a calculator to describe love, right? It's just going to give you numbers, maybe like <laughs> movies, eight, zero, zero, eight one three right it's, hang on just just say that phrase again that's like a computer a calculator trying to calculate love trying to explain oh what an amazing that's a it's just not gonna work and no, i think it's, it's so really easy to, to try and like you say logically explain and express what's going on in my life i suppose kind of there's even a moment in the idea of of talking therapies is i'm trying to process what all of this stuff is through the verbal communicator and actually sometimes it's just that little bit more complex isn't it i love that a calculator trying to explain love i might steal that henry i'm sorry no, but... please please do just get a very <laughs> wise handsome friend of mine said this and then go with it brilliant sorry go on carry on carry on talking therapies are fantastic because actually they they engage the logical part externalize them and allow you to create that connection of where like what emotions am I attaching it to my work that I do goes right to the cause it's like what is your subconscious trying to tell you when was this created why was it created have right and this is the magical part people are like I'm not sure I'm going to get it but you actually have a conversation do you, your subconscious communicates with you through um, pictures and feelings right and you just have a conversation literally with that part of your subconscious and then ask it very like, listen, you're kind of holding me back. I know you're protecting me. To, to, can you tell me what you're protecting me from so I can access those feelings and really heal them? And something absolutely magical happens. Everything happens underneath the hood. And suddenly your behaviors change like in a really healthy way. It's not like I do a Paul McKenna and tell you that you're super confident and everything just happens like that. But it happens underneath the hood in a really organic way. And it releases it in such a way that your logical mind can understand it and be like, okay, right. It's a, a magical process of connecting the heart and the mind. It floods into the body and you create total harmony. And I, I have seen like transformations take place in such a short space of time. But I'm not here to say no to Big Pharma. I'm not here to say no to psychotherapy. But in my experience, I've seen it to be true that people who have had debilitating depression and debilitating anxiety have come out of it to the extent that those symptoms now are in the life side and they no longer impact. And if they do, then they can have a really quick conversation with their subconscious like, OK, I know you're in pain. I know something's happening. You're all good. And just bring it back and bring it back into balance. You can see why, like, if the symptoms remain in the life stuff, your logical side of your mind can be like, ah, they're there. If they cross over, I'm feeling this, and then you communicate with the feeling part and you create balance. 
the word that, that kind of really stuck out for me is seeing people's lives transformed. And coming back to this idea of hope, where people are really struggling in the journey of their mental health, the idea of being transformed from the the person that you feel like you are now to a person who no longer has these governing feelings or emotions over overwhelming them or sabotaging them that's a that's an amazing thing to hope for isn't it and i suppose kind of there's a question for for me in there which is as the supporting people so if it's not us but we're supporting someone who is struggling with their mental health at this time what what language can we use? What what can we encourage to help someone believe that healing is possible, that this transformation is possible? This is where it kind of becomes counterintuitive. It's like you don't tell someone that unless they ask, you know, because they're not going to hear it. Like I certainly do. People go, ah, oh, you know, if someone had come to me, like in my deepest, darkest moments and go, you can transform, I would have told them to F off, right? And be like, you don't get it, right? It's not up to us to step into someone else's vulnerable space and sell them a transformation that perhaps, you know, and this, this, that the message that we tell ourselves is that it's too late. It's not going to work. All of this. And that is our own journey that remains as part of the individual's path when they decide that they want to perhaps try something different because this isn't working, that impetus, that empowerment cannot be taken away from them. That is unless they, you know, unless they're seriously ill and they have to be sectioned, you know, when obviously, you know, safeguarding appropriate action has to take place. But if someone is experiencing things that were life issues, crossing over, having indelible impact in their life, it's got to be them. Otherwise we take away every single bit of their power, every single bit of their autonomy. And it's like, during depressive episodes, the last thing I want to do is get up and do anything. If someone tells me, hey, Henry, let's go for a 10-mile run. Again, I'm going to tell them to F off. right? <laughs> Bar Adrian Garcia, who is very good at reaching in and getting me on a dog walk. He's the only person who, who can work that magic. But if I would decide I'm going to get up, I'm not going to have a shower, not even going to brush my teeth, but I'm going to go for a walk, that's the empowerment part. right? And then... I, I talk about the work I do within, you know, and I say it's, it's transformation, but this isn't about making you new. You know, it's not about changing who you fundamentally are. Now, I I don't really like comparisons of, you know, you are a seed and you go into a dandelion, you know, this, this kind of stuff. But I'm going to use something that actually describes this perfectly. Like, and I understand that people are not caterpillars and people are not butterflies. Right. But when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, its heart is the same. It's lungs, as if insects have lungs, you know, its actual essence of its being is exactly the same. It just changes into something very naturally. And the therapy allows that to happen. It just expedites the process. So same heart, same eyes, same nose, same person, just imbalance. And it's not up to me to say what does, you know, this is what you will be. It's like, what would that look like for you to, to experience that? Because people don't want to, like, change you know when, when someone says i hate my brain what they're really saying is like i want to love my brain you know i hate my body i want to love my body I hate my emotions i want to love my emotions so it's just a, a 
a very simple change in perspective based on what the individual wants for themselves. I feel like I want to draw everything to to close on that because there's something so loving and caring and right in what you're saying. We're not trying to force anything. We're not trying to change the person. We're just wanting them to love themselves for who they are. And that is a profound journey for someone to go on. That is almost like the journey that we all go on and just to knit back into the way that, you know, corporate stuff is delivered. I don't feel like that's really understood because when you say hold a loving space, allow them to make their own choices, like, well, that's not happening fast enough. You know, I pay for this kind of stuff. You know, that really needs to, when someone feels held and understood, it harks right back to the very first thing they needed when they were a baby, which is to be held and supported. There is an innate comfort in that. And it's like, we say it was self-love like ask yourself this when you were first born the moment you came out of the womb what could you have done to mean that you were undeserving of love and adoration and celebration nothing and nothing has changed henry i just want to say thank you thank you for your time thank you for your insight to the context of just genuine care actually for someone and from what I'm hearing in the context of uh, that kind of caterpillar to, to butterfly and that catalyst kind of chrysalis sorry moment of you're not changing anything about their fundamental selves but they're actually they are being transformed into something completely new and there's this aligning process and you've used that word a, a couple of times this aligning and being at peace with yourself and in the context of the supporting person it's not to kind of be over promoting and saying you could reach this place don't you know why aren't you kind of accessing it because there's more judgment in that but there is something about this believing that someone can get there and journeying with them in the context of that and and helping them access that help and support and I'm aware that kind of it's been a fairly short short session but we've covered so many intrinsic parts to it things don't need to be long and things are said and i would you know I'll, the last thing i'll say is you know this the, the way we're talking about love and and holding space and talking about mental health and educating people it goes back to like you know if you just let someone know that things can change it doesn't always have to be this way that, that, like, that was the thing that worked best for me. I certainly don't represent every single person in the country or the world that suffers from mental health, but I think sometimes we get lost in the justifying and the, the hierarchies of trauma and just say, hey, there's nothing special about me. I did it, and so can you. I love that image of the caterpillar and the butterfly. You know, we're not changing who you are, but your mind is being transformed. And also remembering that when we're supporting someone, we need to hold that belief to ourselves until the other person is ready to take those first steps. And when you hear someone say they hate their body or they hate their emotional state, what they're really trying to say is, I wish I could love that part of who I am. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mentality Meets. No matter where you are on your mental health journey, you can find plenty of content and information about our resources at petermarkham.com, including one of our mental health courses for yourself or your business. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find our entire back catalogue of conversations with mental health leaders and experts. And if you want to spread the word, why don't you drop us a review on the podcast app and share this with your friends. Thanks again for joining us for Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. Mm -hmm.